Excellent. So we are live and we've opened the, the room there. So great to have you guys on. So welcome everyone. Um, Wednesday morning here in Melbourne. Uh, what is it? Uh, 10 a.m. I think, Chad. Uh, we've got uh, Becky Berube. Uh, did, I, did I pronounce that right, Becky? It's Berube, yes. Ber Sorry, Becky Berube. And Al from uh, UCC, United Catalyst Corporation. Uh, welcome. Thanks Thank so much you. for having us, Chris, Chad. Where, Thank you. Where, where are you guys? We're in Greenville, South Carolina. South Carolina. It is the headquarters of United Catalyst Corporation. Excellent, excellent. So east coast of, of the US, and I think it's around 6 p.m. over there at the minute, isn't it? 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Oh, sorry. We've kept you. We've no, kept you we're, <laughs> we're thrilled to be here. And, and excellent, we love excellent. the Australian and the UK audience. So thanks for having us. Great, great. Um, Chad, how are you going? Doing good, doing good. Enjoying a nice cold day here in Melbourne. It's not that cold. <laughs> It's not that cold. Let's put a jacket on me. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, we've got people streaming through at the minute. Uh, we're live on Facebook as well. So questions, everyone, whoever's got any questions, please feel free to um, pop a question into the chat. Um, the goal of these podcasts is to share information, to get everyone together. We're in a, a funny situation at the minute, especially over here in Australia and more so in Victoria. Al and Becky, uh, where we're in stage four lockdown at the minute. Um, but more generally, people aren't as out and about as they used to be. Um, so we uh, we use these podcasts as a way of bringing the, the industry together as much as we possibly can. Um, as I said earlier, we get uh, over a thousand views between now and you know the next three or four days on, on Facebook. Uh, so I think the message is getting out there and people are sort of enjoying the fact that we've got people from the industry specialists like yourselves in your niche field um, talking about how you can help them and different ideas that maybe um, can be can be sort of shared. So um, I don't want to hold this up too long. Um, can I get some intros, if you like, from, from both of you and tell us a little bit about yourselves, tell us a little bit about UCC um, and then we'll take it from there. Sure, I'll start off. I'm Becky Barraby, and honestly, United Catalyst Corporation was really born because of this guy, if I have to tell the truth. Um, Al is my father-in-law. Um, he's also the star of the uh, YouTube show that we produce, Ask Big Al. And so, Al, you come from how many years of? I've got 46 years in automotive repair, and most of it was spent around exhaust, and most of it, in the beginning of the 70s, early 70s, it was figuring ways to remove the converter and bypass the uh, check engine light. So I spent a lot of time learning converters and O2 sensors through that. And then when I came on board, when I finally retired, my son had been bugging me and bugging me for years. So I went back. So I finally retired uh, three years ago when we came in and I took over their lab and it's been a pleasure, a true pleasure. Um, my son was surprised that I was enjoying working with numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and figuring things out and why it functions the way it does, you know, just the way it is. So, well, you must, have, you must have started in this industry when you were two. No, 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 no. I was 23 well, Al, years old. don't tell us that. That's, that's, that's sort of, you're not telling us that. You said 46 plus two is 48, right? If you give us this 22-year-old business, it takes you. <laughs> no, no. Um, so, we, we, we actually formed United Catalyst Corporation 
um, we just fell into it. It wasn't what we planned on doing with our life. You know, uh, we were in our 20s when we started uh, almost 27 years ago. Um, Tim and I founded United Catalyst Corporation. And um, it wasn't until 10 years ago or seven years ago that we really realized that the recycler was getting the short end of the stick when it came to converter recycling. And um, I happened to have the, the proud opportunity to go to work for Umicor, one of the world's largest producers of, of catalytic converters for OEE applications, and also the world's largest refiner, um, along with Johnson Matthey and BASF. So I got to be the commercial manager for North America, and I started to travel with recyclers and, and, and I, what I was really doing is all those vendors that you see at the trade shows, it was really my job to call on all those catalytic converter processors um, and get them to send business in large volumes uh, based on recovery. And then it just hit me that um, assay was for everyone, that assay was for the recycler. There's only one way to recycle a scrap catalytic converter and you all that buy the cars, you own the commodity. And, and we, we, we know that it goes from being an automotive part to a precious metals commodity. And you guys really did, you weren't at the table until about 10 years ago, we really flipped the industry on its head. Chad, you were one of the first people um, in our industry to work with us. And, and we took assay to the street, so to speak. And um, that's what we're still doing today. So can I just probe a little bit on assay? You mentioned assay, and I'm not sure how many of the, the people on the call would understand what assay is. Can you explain that? Because, let me give you a bit of context about the Australian market, generally speaking. We still have a lot of people going out to, to automotive recyclers and they turn up with a water cash and say, we're going to pay you X dollars for these cats that you've laid out on the ground, right? So they say, okay. Give you an average hundred dollars per cat for example so you've got a hundred cats hundred dollars per cat it's a bit of money so what is assay how does that compare so it's it's selling on the scientific method right so when you um give me one of those yeah i mean when you when you go into a yard and you you know you've got a converter it's subjective right i could tell you that this is worth 80 us or australian it could be worth 600 there's no, it's subjective. It's whatever I call it. You have to agree to sell it to me on. That's nickel on the barrel head, that's spot pricing, greenbacks, great. But what if you're leaving 20, 30, 40% on the table? And the only way to know the value of this unit and all of your units is to destroy them, to take the catalyst, to grind it into a fine powder, to scientifically sample it and then go through the testing process of determining how much platinum, palladium, and rhodium is in this unit or the combination of all your units. So okay. if it was daytime here, we could walk through the plant and you could see, um, you're seeing our lab where we have an in-house testing ability to test units, um, but there's a whole, dis we're dismantling, right? We're a disassembly facility, but we're a very scientific one. Okay. I'll, I'll touch on that just a second, Becky, because you yeah. said 10 years ago, I was, I was one of the first uh, users to, to kind of lock in and use, use the assay method and use you specifically to do the, the uh, assay for us. And what I realized was, was 10 years ago, uh, my cat buyer that was coming by and paying in green cash, he showed up in a brand new Dodge Crew Cab Dually diesel truck. 
and he showed up in that new truck and, and I was like, it's a nice truck, you know, and, and it really got me to questioning, you know, oh, I started really running numbers on what he was paying me for those cats, you know, and I was getting $30 per cat on average at the time. And, uh, and it, it just, you know, he's driving this brand new truck and it just, it just hit me, you know, what's, what's going on. I need to, I need to double check that he's being honest with me and I'm going to send my next load to Becky to, to, uh, to do a load. And I, I picked you to, to send a load to you and, uh, shipped a load to you. And I got paid on average about $100 per cat on that very first load. And, and, and we were at $30 and I, I realized then that that guy I had trusted for 20 years to, to sell my cats. And he came by once a month and I sold the cats and he was an old fella and I just trusted him. He was not paying me what the stuff was worth. And at the time the, the market had just gone way up and he was still paying me what I was used to getting, you know? And that's when my eyes were opened to what's really going on out there. And so that's just a tidbit, Chris, to give you a little background on the relationship between me and Becky there. Yeah. And, I think and, and you know, sorry. That's pretty it, it depends on how you're being treated. Tim, um, uh, my partner and my husband, he often says the early payment that we give you as just kind of like a guarantee or a deposit, you know, so you can keep working while we, to, while we wait for the test results is probably at least what you're used to getting. And then that back end that comes in when the recovery is known is, is probably the true value. It's yep. the part that you're leaving on the table normally. Yep. Uh, so just tell us about that. So how does how does the, the payment piece work? You just mentioned there um, you pay a deposit. Early. Yeah. And, and how does it work? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the assay is a process that you can trust. It's the only way that cats get recycled. The program for, for us at United Catalyst is that your converters come in. We don't grade them. A lot of companies do grade them. We do everything on weight. And so it comes in, it gets checked in, you get a picture. So you can see the skid on a scale with the scale and you can see all your skids one to one million. And so we check them in by unit count and then we determine an early value. We try to estimate about 80% and within three to five business days of arrival um, before COVID, it's been a little bit backed up, but we try to get that early payment to you by check, by wire, um, ACH. And that, that way you can go on doing your business if you want to. We, we actually, our program has three payment options. You can take the early payment, um, you can wait the 30 to 45 days until we have the final assay back, or you could wait the whole time, which is like about 100, 120 days, until your load actually becomes physical metal and you can sell it later on. Or you can do what Chad did and um, open up a pool account and pool the metal and not have it hit your books as a taxable event and then wait till you need a loader or you wanna buy a building and watch the market. That would be speculating, but you can sell it at a later time, pay taxes on it at a later time, use it as an investment, retirement, whatever you choose. Yep. Yeah, we actually uh, opened up an account at Johnson Maffey and she would run the metals all the way through. Uh, her process would go out and be deposited at Johnson Matthey. And it's like a stock brokerage account or something. I get a statement once a month that tells me how much platinum, palladium, and rhodium I have on deposit. And then I can look at it. So it's giving me ounces of how many ounces I have on deposit. And then I can look at the market and then look at what where each metal is. And one metal's going up. I'm going to hold on to it longer. One metal may be falling. I can go ahead and sell that one metal. 
and uh, and then are shifted over to gold or silver because Johnson lets you shift the metals around. Mm -hmm. so if, if one's declining, I'll sell it, jump over to gold, something's going up, and then jump back to silver. And you can take physical possession of some of the metals. Some of them you can't take physical possession of. Until you actually sell the metal, it's not a taxable event. And so it created a, um, a bubble for me to basically like a, just imagine a retirement account that was an untaxed retirement account until you actually needed to pull the funds out. And, uh, and then when you pull the funds out is when it creates a, a taxable event. And so it, it, it was just a, a way for, for me to not to, not to hide income, but just to, to shelter some income and sh uh, shove it into a, a future year, basically. And then there's some benefits with holding precious metals. They're taxed at a lower rate. I don't want to get into tax laws and stuff, but <laughs> something over a year, it turns in a little bit different tax rates, holding precious metals over a year, and they're taxed at different rates. So. Okay. Yeah. So um, it, it seems to make sense. 90, 96%, 98% of our suppliers in our program do not do what Chris, what, what Chad just described. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. for the, but we put you in the driver's seat of your commodity. You can sell it whenever you want to, basically, yeah. and, and take payment. Uh, and it, it, it involves hedging, right? We, we physically have to price the metal. I would tell you it's an educational experience to go from selling spot to selling um, you know, nickel on the barrel head to selling on assay. But we try to take something that's super complicated and make it really simple and accessible to everyone. Okay, so um, a couple of things that I'm thinking through there. It's quite scientific, obviously. It's both scientific in the way you actually determine the value of of the, the weight, etc., of the, the different precious metals within the catalytic converter. Um, but it's also quite scientific in the 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 way it's traded. Right? It's it's really out on on the market and you, you're doing yes. stuff there potentially so uh and you can take it from cash up front type of deal through to cash long term it's a long-term investment as opposed to you know a short-term play right so yeah. you it like that um what you, you mentioned there that 96 98 of your customers people selling you cats um don't do what chad used to do um what is that mix like? Like how many go for payment option one, two, or three with three being the long-term view, one being cash up front? Um, I would say 80% of recyclers take the early payment option. Um, it has a little bit of interest um, and metal leasing. If you read any of the articles um, that, that I produce in the trade, you know, the automotive trade magazines, um, I try to explain a little bit of that. Um, but we also produce a daily report. If you're interested, you can get um, the 60-second uh, market report, basically, every day. And we give you the um, economic and technical fundamentals from Johnson Matthey, Mitsubishi Trading Desk. You know, we try to teach. We believe in the power of education. You know, we believe you need a partner that you can trust. We believe you need a process you can trust and a program you can trust. But we also believe in the power of education. So 80% probably sell... Um, in the, in the first week or two that they take the early payment. And then the rest take it at 35, 30 to 45 days and very few, maybe 2%, one or 2% hold metal to outturn and beyond. We've got a, uh, a comment here from a gentleman, but he's got initials LB, Laurie Beecham. Um, Laurie, Laurie. hi. <laughs> Becky, oh gosh, I was hoping, I was really hoping he'd be listening in. I said we should have had him on here with us. 
Uh, yeah, you, she did say that about five minutes before we got on. So Laurie's made a comment here that I've been working with Becky or Beck for years, exporting my cats to her. The other value for Aussies is the extra you get by the power of the US dollar. Uh, I could never recommend an entity higher than I could UCC. My last sale of 260 cats netted me $57,000 with export costs of $4,600. Regards, Laurie Beecham, G Parts Recycle. So, Laurie, thanks for that. Really appreciate and appreciate the openness. Right? So, that's 260 cats, $57,000. I do believe it. It's gone up so much in the past seven years. Chad, if I could think about what your rhodium was worth the year that you sold your first load, and if it's still in Johnson Matthew, man, you have made a ton. You know, it's, it was. It's Cresting near $12,000 a troy ounce, which is the historical high, you know, a little higher earlier this year. But Lowry, we met at ARA um, the year that my good friend Gary Ridge, who's the CEO of WD40, happened to come by from SEMA and swing into ARA and give a keynote. And all the Aussies were sitting in the front row and they were just so psyched because Gary Ridge is, is, is an Australian. So yeah, thank you, Lowry, for the shout out. We love working with you and um, you're just great people over there. We, we just want to do more with you all. Excellent. So just on that note then, 260 cats isn't going to fill a container. How does it work? No, if people, people here in the UK or in New Zealand want to work with you, talk to us a little bit about that. Sure. We have a great team of logistics experts here. At, I mean, we're, you know, they, they can get it done. Lowry sends one skit at a time and it takes about four to six weeks somewhere between four to eight weeks, depending on what's going on in the world. And it gets here and we process it just like as if he were here in the, in the U.S. market. Um, I can see a, a way that recyclers could work with you all to consolidate shipments out of Melbourne, you know, what, or whatever, you know, or from whatever part of, you know, up by Lowry, you know, in Queensland or wherever. Adelaide, you know, I'm sure we can get to a coast quite easily. I suppose. If we think logically about it, the, the, the guys that are coming in and buying cats, you know, over the counter and sort of laying them out on the ground and saying, here's 10,000 cash or whatever it is, um, they're doing a similar thing, aren't they? They're aggregating all of the cats and then putting it in a container and shipping it somewhere. Somewhere. That's... Yeah. Okay. So, so we're really a processor. Just to understand the supply chain, we are a processor of, of precious metals. We exist to... to make profitable solutions for recyclers. I mean, whether it's hybrid batteries, whether it's electronics, ECUs, ceramic, metallic, anything precious metal bearing that we can do for recyclers to create a program that you can trust to get you more money. That's what we're interested in doing. But in terms of the auto catalyst, really we consolidate large amounts globally. And, and, and we process them in house, we decan, we mill, we sample, we get evaluation here before they ever go on to their final smelting and refiner. Um, the smelting and refining happens in less than a dozen refineries in the world. I mentioned the big three. We try to stick with the big three because they are the three companies that I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, uh, Umicor, Johnson Matthew, BSF, that make the catalyst. Um, we vet the process. We really, really if we could just spin a 360 around here, you'd see all of our lab equipment. But we check the value and we maintain your chain of custody from the moment it hits our door to the time it comes through refining, including witnessing at the refiner. 
we've just added that layer. And so we balance all of the weight that you send us to one half of 1% in and out of our plant. And that means your bubble wrap, your packaging, your skid, your cage container, your Gaylord, it, the dust. I mean, dust, let me just mention that the dust is so valuable, right? I mean, it's it's the coating, whether it's, um, you can hear me, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what happens, right, is we end up with this, right? It's, it's a powder that we're bringing your catalyst down into. But even on the decanning, the dust is so valuable. It could be like 1% or less than 1% of your weight, but it could be 5, 10, 15, 20% of the value of your converters. So we have only one dust collector per machine that we disassemble so that we can take your dust and we reintroduce it back into your load so that that really precious part is still contained within your, your, your material. So it's just, we call it the chain of custody. That, that, that goes to the next question. Peter Butler, he's in New Zealand actually, uh, and he asked a question, from this far away, are we better to send the cats complete or are we better to be decanning them first? And your answer kind of sounds like we need to send the cats complete unless we have a dust collection system that we're using to decan them because the dust is so valuable. We'd love to help you vet your, your dust collection system. We do usually discourage, um, Chad, you visited us and now we're in a new facility just recently. Um, we try to keep it like a pharmaceutical grade, right? So that you could like really, I don't know if you can eat off the floors. I would, I, that'd be a little too far. I would eat off the floor there. I, I've, I've been through the place and, and she made the comment about the, the, uh, the skids and the, and the plastic wrap the, and all being safe. And I'm walking around, it's like, why do you have this piled up right here on a scale, you know? And he said, well, we have to weigh the skid and weigh the plastic wrap to know how much that weighed so we can we know exactly what that portion was on the inbound load. And it, it just surprised me the detail that they're going to to validate every single, I mean, down to the half of a pound. You know, they're, they're measuring everything that goes in and out of that place uh, so they get it all correct for us. And so it, it's, my eyes were opened to the whole process whenever I toured their, their plant uh, back in November of last year. So, so Becky and Al, um, you know, another point that Peter Butler's making there is that approximately the cost of shipping, you know, from New Zealand to the US is probably around $7,000. Um, there's, there's a lot of freight money sitting there. Um, is it really worth going to the, to the extent of him shipping a skid or a, or a pallet worth of, of catalytic converters. I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like a lot of money that needs to be covered. You know, for the most part, I'll answer that question in two ways. One, Lowry said it was about 4,700 bucks a skid, but he was, I don't know what that yield is more than what he was getting locally. But um, almost in my experience in 27 years, almost all of the European and the um, New Zealand, Australian converters, UK. I mean, several do get processed maybe in the UK, some in, Bel in, in, in Belgium, some in Germany. But when it comes to the consolidators, these the collectors that are buying your cats, a fair amount, a very high amount end up in North America. Okay, so it's being, someone's paying for it some way. Yep. Yeah, the difference here is... And there's a reason, maybe there's a reason it comes that way. I'm not saying that there's not a few good places in Asia 
and 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 in Central Europe and and you know in the UK, but worldwide, a lot of the auto catalyst finds its way to North America. Okay, cool. All right. Um, now you mentioned also before ECUs and other precious metals sort of containing products. I'm just thinking here, you know, whether it's the UK, Australia, New Zealand, we're a long way off. Um, there could be a way to aggregate supply where everything came into one centre and, you know, you, you, you loaded up one container on behalf of 20 different yards, for example, and you get that full container and somehow you, you identify them, they're marked, so you know which one's for who, right, all that type of stuff. Yep. Um, and that would make sense. It would mean that you, you're sort of aggregating the, the supply and the shipping costs into one large container as opposed to little ones. But in the absence of that, um, what other products could Australian, British, New Zealand uh, recyclers help make it worth that shipment or, or get extra value out of it? What other products can you actually take off their hands? Yeah, well, we mostly do the precious metal bearing. So two sensors. two sensors, if you want to pull them, you know, uh, those can go in a bucket, in a barrel. Uh, they've been running about, I'd say they've been, depends on the price of platinum, right? Yeah. So, so when platinum's up around $900, they're in the $4 a pound range. Um, the electron, go ahead. Yeah. Oscar, I want to touch on that. You just said O2 sensors. And, and for years and years, I had left my O2 sensors in my cats and sold them to the guy that's coming off the street and just, they were in the, in the cats. And when I realized I could pull them out and, and drop them into a 55 gallon barrel. And once I got a 55 gallon barrel filled up, filled up, I just put that dude on a pallet and shipped it in with my cats and they all got decanned and, and processed through the same process. And, and I got paid radically more than, than I was leaving money on the table by leaving those O2 sensors in those cats. Sorry, I didn't mean to distract you. Keep on going. No, it's true. And we don't give credit for them. A lot of people say, well, why don't you just take them off for us? I mean, th there's a cost, right, to us. We don't charge you to, to decan, but we have to pay the labor and the overhead, right, to get the product. And so we don't give a credit for the steel cans and we don't give a credit for the O2 sensors. But, but if it's done responsibly and it's done by you all, then, then you, know, you can sell those O2 sensors. And um, what else have you got going on? Al's got a lot going on. These right are about 50 cents a pound. Now those we might have to discuss about the weight of them, right? We've got about 300 ton right now to put through our new shredder, and, um, but they are heavy. Right. You know, so, so maybe that we, we need to discuss. The next, the next item that you're all running into is Steel converters, a different different design of converter. It's it's kind of made of metal and it's it's coated with platinum, palladium, and rhodium, and it comes in different varieties. If you look at this tight pattern, how tight the air exhaust has got to flow through that. Okay, and if you look at the pattern on this one, how big the holes are. Yeah. These yeah. two have to do the exact same thing, no matter what vehicle they're in. And they only have, these are going to be found right close to the exhaust manifold. And these converters on these cars, as these guys are picking them, they're noticing that the converters on the newer cars are getting much smaller. They're weighing about a pound. And O2 sensors are being placed very close to the product, right to the, right to the converter. And the reason why the manufacturer has done that, they all they care about is protecting that converter. The cost of the converter was expensive. What's inside of it's expensive, so they want to save it. 
years ago, we only had one wire running to an O2 sensor. Today, we have up to eight wires. It actually is measuring the heat temperature on top of the converter, as well as the bottom. That tells them, the manufacturer, or the engineers who made this, if the converter's functioning. And it's the only reason why they put the temperatures there. If it's not, to put on your check engine light, you're gonna to go to the dealer, find out what's going on. Skip or whatever may be happening, inject the problem. But they've gotta protect the converter because it is warranted from the manufacturer for a minimum of eight years, or I think it's 80,000 miles now. So they don't want it coming back to them to be replaced for free. Initially, this design was first used in Chrysler's in the early years, and they had a problem with it, so they took it off the market, redesigned it, and brought it right back in, and did well with it. And all of the manufacturers are jumping on the same bandwagon as the steel converter. They can get it closer to the manifold. In exhaust industry, in the exhaust business, when a converter's close to the manifold, that is doing 85 to 95% of all the work to clean the converter, to clean the exhaust, so when it comes out the back, the converter that's set further back from the engine, I call that the cleanup converter. Whatever those two front didn't do, or the one front, it has to finish the job back here in the back of the engine. And those are usually your platinum type converters. They're not high grade. They're usually a little bit platinum and some palladium in it, but not much. But when you're getting this engine, when you're getting a converter so close to that motor, running at 600, 700 degrees, and most of the time, they have to load it. They do not load from what I've understood from different people. The loading, we always thought they'd kind of mix a slurry together. They just dip it in it, pull it out. But I found out that the rhodium is actually based in the rear section of the converter. And the, no, it yes, it's in its own little zone because if its transitional uh, purpose is to turn to um, moisture. You've seen a lot of water coming out of tailpipes. Well, that's created from your converter. The chemical reaction, I was switching fast, so fast with heat that actually moisturizes in the converter. And that's, that's what a catalyst does. I mean, that's what a catalyst does. I mean, it's designed to clean. Can I show you an example of a nice value one? I want to ask a question, Becky and, and Al. So, so you basically said if, if an, a cat has an O2 sensor in top and bottom, then it is probably more valuable than a cat that only has one O2 sensor. Is that what you're telling me? Correct, Correct. but if, if they put that O2 sensor directly if you notice a Honda, they put them right in the middle of a converter. They're only protecting the front biscuit. They're not protecting the rear biscuit. There is no O2 sensor behind it. So that converter right in front of the O2 sensor flowing down from the motor, the exhaust how it flows into it. They'll put a, an O2 sensor between the two biscuits. They'll be like this. This biscuit in the forward section is going to do all the work. It has a fraction of a time. This is going to be the cleanup biscuit that this couldn't finish the job. And your loadings are usually higher in the forward biscuits of anything. Your loadings are better in any converted as close to the manifold. Even though they may be smaller, it's better. Can I show you an example? Maybe this is not really. Please, absolutely. This is a Subaru. It's, uh, it's located up on the engine, close to the motor, very close. We've got an O2 sensor in it on the other side. And it does have a number for, for you people. Right, right there. That is the number of that converter. That can, shell. Yes, right on the shell. There is no number on the body of the catalytic converter, but the shell, which will not fall off very easy because we remove them to take pictures to ID them, and it didn't come off very easy on this one. 
Um, that converter has a yield of around $678. It is only a pound of material. It is only this size inside that brick. So that goes to show you, you they've made the converter smaller, brought them closer to the engine. The engine bolts to the other side with that stud that you're seeing stick up way up forward. So it's, it does a lot of work for a little tiny converter. And I'm sure you guys have a lot of Subarus down there. We didn't just show the Subaru on purpose. It just happened to be a good value one. There is another, the Hondas. The Hondas have some good value. interesting on the Hondas. Let me see if I can just show you really quickly. The Hondas have some great value. there's some scams with the Hondas, so. Let me just ask you while you're looking for it. Subarus, just to, you know, are Subarus generally a high value? Yes, they are. And the rear section to this, the Subaru comes in three sections. The two forward sections are a high value. The older models that put the resin, the, uh, there's a converter in the rear section, that isn't too great. But anything forward of that, and the O2 sensors are right there, there's this one called the Scorpion, I believe it's called the Scorpion. It's a very small converter, um, three quarters of a pound, and it does all of the work in that converter. It has a 700 or something dollars. So it, it's there. Um, US dollars. dollars. <laughs> I have no idea what that would be in yours. We have some, yeah. you know, we have a lot of customers who, uh, a lot of suppliers in our program that will send us a picture like this one. And um, they'll, you know, and Al, you can speak to this. Yes, too. if you can, if there was a way to enlarge those, those two converters, those on the center that are side by side, those yes. are both Honda straights, what they call straights. Um, one of them's a real Honda and the other one's a fake. But if you're not keen on what's really happening, this particular person, uh, they brought him in over the scale and he's familiar with converters. So they really didn't fool him, but you really have to get a close look at this. If his buyer had been there. If his buyer had been there or someone else and he didn't look at this, they would have bought that for $550. Okay, or 560, whatever the time was. But um, he noticed that the first one they took in was a real Honda. That second one to the left, my left, which is still there, left or right? Yeah, okay. I think you're down the other side. So I didn't the, light, the, was lighter metal. <laughs> the left is still the left. Lighter, yeah, the lighter colored metal one. Yeah. If you do the zoom in on that, you would notice that the uh, the bunion there that holds the O2 sensor and yeah. is welded on top of that converter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can't hear you well. This converter. Left. You can buy that on eBay. You can buy that on eBay for forty nine dollars, and you also on eBay can buy Honda shields with the bolt kit that fit that converter. And you let that sit outside for a while, or hook it up to your lawnmower. I'm not trying to tell you this so you can be a crook. I'm telling you this so you guys will understand. It wouldn't take much. To make a converter look like another converter. Uh, uh, we have a problem right now in, in, in the in the U.S. We have a problem with um, fake Hondas, and we've done a YouTube show on that being passed off. And so maybe you're a recycler that has a hybrid yard. You do some scrap metal and you do some automotive recycling. And so you, you're training your guys because you think you can make some money buying some converters over the scale, mm. and you could be very unsuspecting victim of a converter scam or crime yeah. by not knowing and taking in what we would call for right? Fakes. 
So, I mean, they're going to a great extent to, um, to, to weld shields on, on low-grade Hondas that are high-grade, stuff them. I mean, in 27 years, we've seen everything. I wish I could say that that's going away, Chris and Chad, but unfortunately, a lot of this picking and this sort of thing is still happening. And as recyclers want to grow their business, they want to have more things to, to make money on. It's just a natural thing to mm -hmm. say, hey, maybe we should buy, put a guy out there, and maybe we should take care of the peddlers in our community, you know, and then it's, it's buyer beware. Yeah, I will show you this this one here. The, initially, Becky was showing you this earlier to look inside the, the ceramic, and this is an aftermarket. It really, it looks just like an OEM Toyota. You could call this an ROB 350 or $235. But in essence, this is only an aftermarket. This aftermarket manufacturer actually makes Toyota converters. He manufactures them for that Toyota. That's why it looks exactly like it. So in essence, this is only worth about, what's the aftermarket? Not 18? Well, that's the thing. Wait a minute. This one is not by the one you're thinking about. This is a Bozel. Yeah. But, but Bozel makes for OE and they make aftermarket. Some of, so if you're selling this, more to the point, if you're selling this for $20 as an aftermarket, I've had some of the, oh, we do production scrap for the, uh, you know, for the manufacturers. So we'll take their off spec or their, all their inventory at the end of a year that they get to destroy and we'll run it. This could end up being $67, it could, depending on the application. Mm -hmm. This could also be an aftermarket that's $167 and you may have just sold it in your yard for 20 bucks. Yeah, so it's not- so it's without assay, without destroy, see, the beauty of assay is when you destroy them all, and you, you homogenize them and you, you sample them properly and you sell them on the recovery, you're getting all the metal that's in all the cats regardless of, of what they look like. So. Yeah, okay. Um, so for yards across here, New Zealand, UK, wherever they are, um, do you, is it like, should they get at least 200, 300 cats together before they you know, do anything with you, for example, or what's? 100 minimum. A Gaylord, a skid. You can participate. We wanted to make it because we do have the ability to process small batches here without commingling them and getting a full assay, um, fire assay with an ICP finish. Um, we can do that for down to a hundred converters. I mean, we can do it for one converter. We and the thing is, is if you're sending in a skid and you want us to test, one of the things we'll do spray paint it. You want to know what that Honda, that Toyota is coming in at, that Mercedes, whatever the Prius, some Priuses, first generations are worth a lot of money. Um, if we don't have it in our database already, we're happy to test it for you here in our laboratory and shoot you a value. So you can be in touch with us. You could be in touch with us every day of the week and we would answer your questions um, and look up your converter question. I mean, not trying to busy our team to like ad nauseum, but that's what we produce. The um, We have lookups and things you can do. Shy of an app. Everyone wants an app. Yeah, I know. Just, let's just talk about, can we talk about apps for just a second? <laughs> we have been like five years producing an app and everyone keeps saying, when is your app coming? Chad, were we working on an app like <laughs> seven years ago, five years ago? My problem with the apps, and Al does more because he manages the lab. So he does, his team does a lot of the lookups. There are a lot of apps that are easily accessible in the marketplace today mm. that are not worth the couple bucks you pay to sign up for them. The values just don't match what we see here in our laboratory. 
So now people are, everyone has an app and they're all running, you know, and there's other apps that have really nice margins built in for the processor or the smelter, double digits. So I, I, I'm not afraid to say our program is like, if you send in, may I go ahead and pitch just for shamelessly, right? If you send in a, a 100 to, um, to 499, you're gonna get back a certain amount. If you send in 500 to 999, you're going to get it back one point more. And if you send in a thousand or more, you get an extra point back. It's explain, a really that because you just went over some people's heads. I know what you're meaning, but you need to explain that better. All right. So nice to tell all of our competition, our our, our process and our program, right? <laughs> but you know how transparent I am. So numbers. Let's just use numbers. If if 90% is a normal number, and then you get above a certain quantity, then you can go to 91% return. Yeah, exactly, exactly. An extra um, one percentage return on, on So your fee goes from X to X minus one. Uh, if you have a higher batch, is what it is percentage. Because we do we do a high volume on a skinny margin. But the thing is, is that we really show you what is coming back from refining. Yes. We really, so like if the refiner gets, gives back 10 grand for that box or you know, whatever it is, you're getting 90 something percent of it back to you. So you can see what we make very transparently in yep. our process. Yep. And uh, you could take us to court or the bank or whichever way you wanna go based on the results <laughs> we show you, but not everyone adds back the dust, right? There's so many ways that you could be tricked on assay. We found that we got out there about seven years ago and started evangelizing this process, but we know that just like you can be taken advantage of selling whole units, without a partner you can trust, you could equally be taken advantage of on assay. We could keep your dust, we could skim your assay, we could go to jail for those things. I mean, really there's been FBI stings, they're not, yeah, yeah that's yeah. not cool to do that. But what I'm saying is you still need a partner that you can trust who does what they say that they're doing and they're willing to validate it and show you third party va validation that this is what was in your converters. And I, uh, I, I, I used Becky there for uh, consistently for three or four years. And then I said, I'm going to try somebody else and just see what kind of returns I get. And I'm a numbers guy. I had this huge elaborate spreadsheet looking at parts per million, yes. my returns I'm getting, looking at the fees they're charging, and I broke everything down. I went to two or three other different companies to do assay for me, and ended up coming back to Becky because I realized that, that, that what she was doing was resulting in more cash in my pocket or more ounces in Johnson Matthew, however it was, after I was running all the numbers and, and putting together the whole big spreadsheet and tracking every bit of it. And so I've been down that road. I've, I've tried two or three other loads, getting other assays done and come back to Becky. And so, uh, and so I just speaking from past experience. Good. Um, Becky, Becky, you've got your daily, you mentioned before, you've got a daily um, broadcast yeah. to an email. Can you share information uh, as how do people get access to that if they want to access that? Absolutely. So I happen to bring a copy. We call it the 60 second morning report. And so I don't know if you can see that. <laughs> yep. We give you a little something from the markets. We've got some, you know, some expertise. So we trade with about seven trading desks a day, you know, and we get, you know, like you said, I'm president of the International Precious Metals Institute. So we, we could sell your metals to the refiner that 
refines them. We could sell them to Wall Street. We could sell them to an investment group. You know, whomever would pay the highest. So in essence, we, we get a lot of market information. We really believe in the power of education that once you understand the profile of your yard, you, you know how the markets work. You know that when there's a little bit of inflation. So precious metals are a safe haven, right? So when, when, when your stock market's doing great and the dollar is strong, who cares about gold and silver and precious metals unless you're just, so it's a hedge against inflation, right? So we like a little bit of inflation. We like a little bit of a weak dollar, not too much. And we like the equities to tank a little normally. That would be your technicals. But you can get this market report from us every day. You could text us um, to our number. You could send an email to sales at unitedcatalystcorporation.com. You could get the prices to your phone twice a day. We have something called the PGM Daily Double, where people are getting um, net prices, net of sponge discount, lease rates. We can explain all that to you. A couple days to your phone, a couple days twice a day to your phone, or you could just get the 60-second report. Short, sweet, keep up to date. Yeah. Excellent. And what about Big L? How can I say Big L? Hi. Check out our YouTube channel. You know, it's just um, UCC TV. We, um, Cole Barabee, another Barabee, our son, um, produces uh, UCC TV. And so you can just Google, you can get in there, subscribe. We've been a little on a hiatus with the Big Al show since COVID, but we're getting back in here and going to start recording again. But we try to expose any myths and any kind of things that we think can help recyclers make more money. I know he has this big con this big converter beside him that he just wants to show you real quick. Well, not one. It's not really a big converter. It's a special small converter. A small converter fighting in an ATV. <laughs> we can't we can't hear him properly. Oh. He's got to be in front of the computer. However, but wait, there's more. There's more. <laughs> inside that was the converter, right there. Right. It's put right inside the, right, you can see the yep. ceramic right inside there. That's where they put the converter in this one. And we're starting to see this. We've seen it in some of the European cars. It's, so um, it's in one of them. What number was this in? It's available in the TV show. We'll show you the breakdown of that and the cost of that and the value of that. But we're seeing those in some of the, uh, I believe they're going to be the Mercedes and the rear. You know how Mercedes, if you notice the mufflers, they uh, form to the cavity of the car. So they actually made a converter in some of those two. And I don't believe that converter is there to but maybe clean up something, but it's a noise. It cuts down a lot of noise. And I think that's a great noise killer where you're sending all your exhaust through these little holes. It's not going to be very loud. So, um, but that's the only reason why I can see it being so far back from anything in a car. It's located in the rear. So we're starting to see a little bit of that. I, I got out there, I have a motorcycle converter, which I was surprised to see. We've had converters on generators, lawnmowers, um, the uh, fire apparatus that they used to blow the air into a house that was on fire to, to suck out the air. We've seen converters on those. Um, I'm trying to think what other, so these are the things that they can start looking for. At least in America, we see them. I'm not sure about Australia. I don't know. We'll see on Big Al on yeah. UCCTV. 
you just you just like blew my mind. So I could actually be throwing away what I think is a muffler, throwing it into the crush car and crushing it, when in fact it's got a cat built into this device that looks like a muffler. Yes. How can I tell the difference? That's the problem. <laughs> that is the problem. That actual muffler uh, sells for almost eight hundred dollars. In the uh, when you're going to buy one to replace it, I did look it up. Um, I believe that's what it was, eight hundred something dollars. You can get them on eBay, maybe seven something. Well, this um, is a good point. We would love to have you like in our community, and we we're thinking about starting a closed Facebook group for those people who just want to like ask questions like that where we can do a little bit of research and, and get back to folks with the answers. I mean, I know there's a lot of um, Facebook communities out there for parts and, and, and cats and we're part of the professional auto recyclers, you know, the salvage information forum. But we, we want to have a place where people in our program can kind of get a leg up and ask us things like, what are the best models of cars for me to be buying at auction? Well, that would be something being part of our program that we would love to provide that kind of information to people that are in the program that could kind of give them a, an advantage at auction. Those are the kind of tools that we think about. We have others, but I'm not going to say them. I'm not going to talk about our future products on, yet. Can we just give a little hint? <laughs> you know, as the markets go up and you see rhodium doing this real, and you'd like to know, well, what car has that high rhodium and low platinum? Well, we have some of those numbers. We don't really share them often with people, only because we don't want you fighting amongst yourselves over the same car. <laughs> and that's kind of what drive the car. We don't wanna, car. Well, we've talked about it. We don't want to drive. Okay. So we could do something like give you a locator service, maybe at auction when some of these vehicles come in or something like, you know, like that. But we don't want to drive the price of auctions up, right? So. That's a fair point. It's a fair point. It's a, it's a fine line, isn't it? It's a balance. Um, yes, but let's yes. not get into pricing so much because that is probably a touchy topic that we can't really talk about. Yeah. Um, but certainly <laughs> what, we can say, <laughs> what we can say is that obviously assay and the assay process yes. um, can potentially uh, drive value um, beyond what the current you know, value that a recycler gets on their catalytic converters, depending on how they're doing it. Um, there is an opportunity potentially to reach out to you guys directly and um, talk to you about how recyclers here in the UK and New Zealand um, could deal with you and work with you. Um, Chad and I'd be happy to talk to recyclers if they're interested in uh, potentially, you know, getting a group of them together and having product coming to one central point uh, with our, you know, airbag stuff that we're doing that gives us an opportunity to sort of have a, an area where things can come into. Um, and help you guys uh, from a UCC perspective have them, you know, um, loaded up into containers if that's going to make a difference. Ultimately, though, I think one of the, the key things here from an industry perspective is that we need to keep on looking for ways to extract extra value and harvest mm -hmm. more value of every vehicle that we're buying. Okay. Um, we're seeing, and, and the discussions we're having with a lot of people in, in the US at the minute, a lot of recyclers in the US, is that, you know, they're, the price of salvage, and in Australia, New Zealand, it's no different. The price of salvage has increased during COVID. There is no doubt about it. Um, we've got some figures here where salvage has gone to 12, 13 years ago type of values, right? Um, mm -hmm. So cost of goods is increasing. Ultimately, to make money in the business, yeah, you, can you charge your customer more? Well, to a degree, but that, you know, mm -hmm. you hit a, 
a ceiling there. Um, but ultimately, you want to be as cost competitive as possible so you can sell as many parts as possible. The best way to do it, in my view, is to be able to harvest more value of every vehicle, whether that's an extra part per vehicle or, you know, extra value out of things like your scrap and your precious metals. So I think having you guys on today has been really, really good for, for everyone. Um, just to hear the different ways of doing it. And we're going to be broadcasting this again um, at different times for people to, to see it on Facebook and so on. We'll, be, we'll have it on the Auto Partner Solutions uh, podcast page. So uh, tomorrow it'll be up there so you can look at it and share it, share it with um, other people in the, in the industry. I think the other really good thing is, is if people are looking to work together, for example, in Australia, you've got you know a few different yards that work closely you've got the parts plus group which is you know like a, a, a prp type of deal um it would make sense that you know the 14 yards there work together to actually aggregate the supply and, and ship containers to you right to actually get the best value is that the type of thing that you think would make sense becky and Al? oh absolutely. absolutely you know and it's funny that the scrap catalytic converter was considered the savior last year in 2019 um a scrap savior because scrap was coming down and the value of the of the scrap catalytic converters was going up. We did have a short plummet when COVID hit, but thankfully the markets have like really rallied. It, even though the equities are, are starting to rally as well, which is, is interesting. And, and and demand is sort of down um, because of less cars being sold and less going into the recycling stream. But there's enough industrial demand that we're seeing the support um, for the platinum, palladium, and rhodium, but this is why we sell. You know, yes, I agree. A hundred, a whole. You know, it's like can be like a lifeline. That extra income that you can get from having two to four catalytic converters on your vehicle can just be a way to stay cash positive for recyclers, and just like I said, a lifeline during a time where maybe you're selling a lot more parts, but your your cost of goods has gone up 10, 12, 13 percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Al Kuypertz asked a question here. I hope I pronounced that right, Al. Um, what year make model was the one Chad just asked about with the cat was built into the muffler? So, Al, was that um, a Mercedes, did you say? No, that was not a Mercedes. That came off your, and I believe you have a lot of them down there, is your off-road vehicles, your side-by-sides? Side-by-sides. ATVs, ATV side-by-sides. Yeah. Um, that came off runner, they call them here, Chris, a quad runner, a, a, a big quad runner. Quad bike. Yeah. yeah. Quads. Quad bike. Aha. Uh -huh. Gotcha. What did you sit right. in and drive? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of that. I know. I, for those of you who like know me personally and you know, my husband, Tim races off-road motorcycle when he can, which it hasn't been for a couple years, but he keeps telling me, why don't we get into the side-by-side -side race where I run, sh I ride shotgun <laughs> at like 120 miles an hour. If you know me, I have no, I, okay, I can drive a dirt bike. I have no desire to head toward trees at a hundred, a buck 25 with mud flying all over me. But that's, and have but no control. And have no control of your destiny. And then roll and, and roll and hit things. He has more broken bones. Doesn't yeah. make sense to me. Maybe we should be salvaging more ATVs. I don't know. Maybe there's recyclers who are doing a lot of ATV parts. I don't know. I'm Quad sure there are. Um, okay. So, uh, sorry, I think I've got another question here. Oh, that was Al's or good. Um, guys, any more questions before we start wrapping up this podcast? 
uh, please throw them in if you do have any questions. Chad, anything from you as some closing comments? Well, just, just we're here for the Australian market. You know, when I came here um, six months ago, uh, I realized so many things that I took for granted in the U.S. And, and my desire is, is to try to connect the Australian recycler with the benefits that the U.S. has to offer. And this is one of the, the benefits that, that I truly believe um, catapulted my business in the U.S. was handling cats differently, smarter. And, and that's the reason for having Becky on the call today uh, is just to, to introduce each of the Australian recyclers to what I believe is a, is a very honest and trustworthy company in the U.S. that can ha actually ha help you have a higher return on each vehicle that you're dismantling. And so, you know, I'm here to help. I know Becky personally. I mean, I even brought her mug from the U.S. all the way to Australia. Because Cheers. Cheers, everyone. <laughs> but, uh, you can't let Never mind. <laughs> no, don't go there. We're here. If I can help, or Chris and I can help through our organization to, to consolidate some cats to ship back to Becky. Uh, we're bringing containers over from the U.S. for products coming in right now, and we can definitely uh, ship containers back to the U.S. And so we're we're looked for us as Auto Partner Solutions to start doing more of that to help the recyclers. We are. Our heart is to help the recyclers have a higher return and, and to just do better than what they've been doing. And, and I, that's the, the whole, my whole intent of being here and, and bringing people on this podcast and stuff to talk about this stuff as I'm trying to help the, the Australian recyclers. You know, it right. just matches our mission. I mean, obviously we're a company that, that exists to do business, but we, we really do try to get the recycler the most from their converter with a process that they can trust. I mean, we really exist to create recycling solutions that are bottom line more profitable to the recycling community. And, and, you know, you just need to really get with a process you can trust, a partner you can trust, and a program you can trust. And we just thank you so much for the opportunity to just bring assay. I mean, we love that Lowry jumped in. We say hi to Darren Vanderwood from River Mari. I mean, there's so many great Australian recyclers that we know, and we would love to just bring more value to the UK, Australia, New Zealand markets in any way that we can. Excellent, excellent. Well, I suppose it's a good segue to, to close this session off. We're right on an hour, um, on, you know, on, from Chad and, and I perspective, for thank you very, very much for taking the time. I know it's late, so hope, hopefully you got a bit of a chance to have some dinner before this. Um, <laughs> we do appreciate your time. We appreciate your your openness, and uh, I think it's been great. Al, thank you for your forty six years of experience that you, you can share some of that stuff with us. Um, for a forty eight year old, I, I tell you what, you're looking really really good. So, uh, <laughs> Becky, Becky and Tim must look after you. <laughs> thank you. We'll send you a link for the um, daily pricing and and the sixty second um, morning report. Perfect. If you can do that, what we'll do is we'll, we'll we'll add that link to the website where we've got where we'll have the YouTube sort of recording of this, so that people can click on click on that. Touch base with um, with UCC if uh, anyone that's on the call uh, wants more information and they want to talk to Chad about it or myself. Obviously, Chad's dealt with Becky before. Um, reach out to us and happy to sort of put you guys in contact. So, again, thank you very much to everyone that's been on Facebook and on zoom thank you for for tuning in again and look forward to seeing you soon becky l thank you cheers thank you. everyone have a good day cheers bye bye now